The desire for more profit leads to the desire to get people to buy more stuff, whether or not they need it or if it's even useful. Basically, the goal is to make people feel like they need these things. Hi, welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Have you noticed, Cindy, that our culture, American culture, is oriented around things? New things, the latest thing, being the first to get a thing or do a thing, like go to a new restaurant, go to a hard-to-get-tickets-for show, do or get things other people can't, you know? Of course I have, Julie. It's all around us all the time. Constant advertisements and social media intrusions that are hard to avoid. So why us? Why here? Is it that we're in a capitalist system? What does that really even mean? Capitalism is set up for people to privately own and control production and business for a profit. Both have to keep growing all the time, that is production and business, in order to keep it going. So one way capitalism feeds itself is by turning all of us into consumers with never-ending needs for more stuff. Exactly. I don't like it. Me neither. New goods and services, new ways to get around, new places to go, New ways to make things happen have to keep changing for capitalism and its private owners to keep thriving. So, of course, it's all about money. It sure is. The current debt that we the people owe amounts to $17 trillion. About 38% of average Americans today in 2023 are dipping into credit lines to pay for everyday needs. That's scary. And this is with the current unemployment rate at a really low 3.4%. As that rate rises even a little bit, the percentage of people needing to borrow on high interest credit just to get by will also rise. It is not a good thing. It is not. You know, the period after World War II is usually considered the beginning of major consumption. But it really began before that and was common here in the United States by the 1920s. Consumption is now a major part of the way we live. And we're not talking about our necessary consumption of things we need and work for, like food and shelter. We're talking about the need to consume so much that we actually accumulate stuff we don't even remember that we have. I know we've all done that. Yep. There have always been the royalty who had gems and fancy clothes and crowns, which average people didn't have or expect to have. Over time, it continued to be mostly wealthy people who wore stylish clothes and had fancy furniture or who even cared about it. Right. A lot of ordinary people simply lived simply and happily <laughs> on bread or rice and potatoes and had a couple of useful household items like an iron skillet and a strong bucket. 
they were fine with a couple of dresses or some work clothes and a pair of shoes. Most of them had that special Sunday outfit and they were fine. They didn't feel like they needed more. It wasn't a thing. Right. And when diverse foods became available to average people, they were proud to serve it up at their tables. Meat with the potatoes made people without much means feel rich. And the more things became available at prices, more affordable to average people, the more the middle class was eager to get them. Small shops and even more so large department stores created attractive displays for clothing and other kinds of stuff that people could actually afford, which made people want those things. It sure did. After the population got through the hardships of World War II, including illnesses and food insecurity, economic growth in the United States grew to a point that it could meet the basic needs of most of the population, which was a much needed and welcome situation. Right. It sounds good. And at the same time, growing industries, which were now able to mass produce a lot of goods, were looking to make more and more profit for the business owners. And as we know, profit often leads to the desire for more profit. It's sort of an addiction. The desire for more profit leads to the desire to get people to buy more stuff, whether or not they need it or if it's even useful. Basically, the goal is to make people feel like they need these things. So the problem for business was that U.S. production kept growing but population growth didn't keep up. So there were lots of goods and not enough people needing them. And one way to deal with so much overproduction could be reducing work hours so people could actually have some free time to spend with their families or to pursue personal creative interests. And back then, people wanted that. Many times when a vote was taken on this issue, people showed that they wanted free time. They valued their free time more than more money. It was clear. So, big surprise, that didn't happen. Nope. An economic depression a couple years after the war ended created concern among big business people, as well as capitalist economists and politicians, that the economy couldn't continue to grow and expand unless people bought more stuff. They didn't want to produce less because then they'd have less potential for profit. Yet, they worried that overproduction would permanently affect financial growth. Business didn't want to support less production or fewer work hours. But after the Great Depression, work hours were reduced, mostly because of super high levels of unemployment and shorter workdays became a business strategy to keep more workers employed. And businesses did put up with it for a while. But as the Great Depression was lifting and workers still wanted to work fewer hours, even for less money, I think they still want to do that today. <laughs> but anyway, at the time, business got very concerned again that they couldn't reach their economic profit potential unless people made more money and spent more money. Serious business dilemma. You can't make good profit if you mass produce stuff and don't sell it. This was a great economic problem, and after many meetings of the minds, a great plan was hatched. Oh, yeah, it's a great plan, all right. What they did with too much supply was, and still is, to create lots of demand. 
so that all of the products being produced would get sold. New needs would be created by advertising goods and services and making people feel like they wanted and even needed them. So during the Great Depression and also during World War II, people had learned to be even more careful than ever with spending and important resources because they were short. They were being too frugal. This is where propaganda and ad men came in to save the day for capitalism. Yay. Advertising and PR were tasked with convincing the American public of the value of goods over almost everything, including time, of convincing the average person that the more stuff you get, the happier you could be. People could feel they were moving up and achieving success now measured in luxuries and material goods. And that if they didn't do that, they didn't get those luxuries and material goods. Well, basically, they were losers. Through all kinds of propaganda, people were encouraged to want more and buy more in order to reach a higher standard of living. By constantly pushing new things, new clothes, food, products to keep your home sparkling, and other items for purchase, people's desire for things would grow, and so would sales. Even the government saw the wisdom in creating more and more desire for endless streams of new goods and services. Right. A 1929 article entitled Keep the Consumer Dissatisfied shows some of the thinking of the time. The rise of consumer debt during and after the Great Depression was intentional. Yes, this was progress, getting the American public to keep on moving from old stuff to new stuff, old stuff to new stuff on a constant basis, getting them to feel like they needed to keep up in order to be successful. When more and more homes around the U.S. got electricity, it was another boon for consumption. There were and continue to be a constant parade of new things we can buy that run on electricity. Yeah, and radio was also becoming popular, which helped get the word out to everyone about all the new products and how they would change our lives for the better. And then almost 25 years later, TV became more and more common in every household which proved even better than other media like newspapers and radio for infiltrating homes and hearts with new needs and more stuff. On TV, you could really use images and stories to stir emotions in ways that were even more successful to encourage the average person to want more. To see the fun and happiness all of these products could offer was hard to resist. They were also made to look like these were the ingredients for happiness and success. And who doesn't want happiness and success, especially if all you have to do to get it is buy the latest gadget? Exactly. And because of excellent PR and ad men, and they were mostly men, we were willing to go into debt to get the things that would improve our status, not to mention our day-to-day -day quality of life, and yes, even our love life. <laughs> Right. Now we could buy stuff. And when better stuff came out, we could throw away the old or put it in the basement and buy the new. Yeah. So guess what happened, Julie? The national consumer debt grew into the billions in the 1920s. Do you know how much money that was back then? It's a lot now. And of course, banks were happy to give people a chance to buy stuff and accrue debt on which they'd have to pay high interest rates. That's the key term, high interest rates. 
Even today, as soon as someone comes of age, credit card offers come in the mail, sometimes even before they're of age. And both banks and other lenders encourage us to put credit cards in our dependents' names, you know, help them for later when they need credit. And it's true. It helps to have a credit history when you want to make a large purchase or borrow more money or even rent your first apartment or get your first electric bill. All those great firsts. (laughs) Profit and consumption depend on each other in our capitalist world. New and better business ideas are always being created. They have to be. For example, manufacturers had the brilliant capitalist idea to intentionally make things that wouldn't last long while also creating the need for the next best thing as soon as everyone buys the current thing. So even if what you buy lasts, you'll be ready to toss it for the new model. These ideas help capitalism grow round and round. Yes, very clever. And we, the public, we have welcomed it with open arms. We now expect our appliances and cars and other things like that to not last that long. And that goes for our cell phones, too. We want the latest And we know it'll be obsolete before we know it. And the ads are literally in everyone's pocket on those cell phones. We don't even think twice anymore about the fact that fashion changes every year. The colors, the styles, the materials. There are so many ways to slightly change a thing and then make people feel they must have the new version because it's better than the old one, which may only be a year old. Clearance racks are made up of last year's styles. Absolutely. And people who know how to make other people want unnecessary stuff and even create the need for it, those people are paid well for their skills and their creativity. There's a whole branch of psychology around persuasion and symbolism and ways to create desire by highlighting subconscious attitudes and desires. It has become our way of life and we continue to be manipulated so that we continue to buy and buy a lot. It affects most of us in some way, and a lot of us in most ways, usually with debt that we can't keep up with. Businesses, corporations, and politicians need to control consumption in order to make capitalism continue in a way that those making a profit keep making more and more. That's the problem. They become addicted to making more and more money so that it's never enough. They don't think much of the mind of the average person anyway, so they usually think they're doing this in everyone's best interest. It definitely is in capitalism's best interest and the best interest of those who profit from our overconsumption. Yeah, but that's it. (laughs) This could all be fun. You know, buying stuff can be fun and feel good. Some people refer to retail therapy as a way to manage their difficult feelings, but it's also really wasteful. With so much stuff ending up in landfills, waterways, even on sidewalks in some places, and don't even get us started on the waste of resources and our effect on the world around us, including, of course, climate change. Because you know how we are. If we get started on that, we will not shut up. (laughs) That's true, Julie. The people profiting from more and more consumption don't seem to care about this aspect of life. Consumption just continues to grow. And for them, it must grow at any cost. They don't care about its impact. No, it's about the immediate rewards. It would probably take major governmental legislation 
to help put an end or even begin to curb our national appetite for new and better and better and better things. And they're not likely to do anything because it would affect the whole capitalist system. And nobody wants that. Well, none of the wealthy capitalists want that. That's true. (laughs) Well, some of us are not too happy with the consumer culture we live in. We're being manipulated and we're being taken advantage of. And it's all to create profit for the very wealthy who don't care about us or the environment. I don't like it. Agreed. Me neither. So for now, one of the things we can all do is check ourselves and be more intentional consumers. Right. At minimalismmadesimple.com, you can learn at least 22 ways that you can be more intentional about your own consumer behavior, which for now is our own best step forward. It's a starting place. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care.